But Genesis 34 and verse number 1. And Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. And his soul clave unto Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. And he loved the damsel and spake kindly unto the damsel. And Shechem spake unto his father Hamor, saying, Get me this damsel to wife. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. Now his sons were with his cattle in the field. And Jacob held his peace until they were come. If you review the life of Jacob in your mind of what you know about Jacob, it was a hard life. It was a life of a lot of hardships, a lot of disappointments, sadness, trials. It's very difficult to preach an encouraging message from the life of Jacob because there aren't any or many encouraging scenes. Typically, whenever we preach from the life of Jacob, it is a warning type sermon. It is a um, don't do this kind of, of message. It was just the way that he lived. A lot of sadness in his life, a lot of tears, a lot of broken hearts. Starts with struggling with Esau in the womb, then deceiving his brother into selling him the birthright. He and Rebekah, his mother, deceiving Isaac, then having to leave home running for the next 20 years. Gets to Laban, Laban deceives him there, marries Leah, works another seven years for Rachel. And, and it's just, just tragic scene after tragic scene. But when I look at his life, I, I think that the saddest incident in his life is what takes place in this chapter. If I were writing the Bible, I would not have included this chapter. It comes after he has spent 20 years with Laban and he has left and now he is returning to his homeland. He has spent 20 years running from Esau, really running from God. But back in chapter 31, God had come to him and told him that it was time to go home. And we liken that to a backslidden believer getting right with God. And so he has left Padan Aram, that's where Laban is at, and he has began a journey back home. He has 11 sons and one daughter by four wives. Only Benjamin is not born yet. His daughter's name is Dinah. And you know, if you had 11 sons, you'd want a girl. I don't know if there's any other reason to want a girl, but you would want to maybe be willing to trade a couple of boys for a girl, I suppose. But being the only girl in the home, I could imagine that she was a spoiled girl. I could possibly see that. But it's strange that the only story that you read about Dinah is in Genesis 34. She is mentioned eight times in the Bible, six times in this chapter, another two times that are just in genealogies, just records. So everything that you know about Dinah, the only daughter of Jacob, is in this one chapter, and it's a very, it's a very sad story to me. Jacob has moved to a place called Shalem, which was in Shechem. That's in the northern borders of Canaan. You can find that 
in chapter 33 and verse number 18, Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. And so this, this is the land of the Canaanite. And, and Jacob has decided that, that this is where he would settle down. And, and one day Dinah decides that she's going to go out for a little stroll in the countryside. And a man grabs her and defiles her. And when Jacob doesn't do anything, he doesn't say anything, two of her brothers go into the city and where this man lived and they end up murdering every man in the city. That's not justice. It's revenge is what it is. It's, it, it's, it's murderous. It's excessive. It, it is wrong. So, so everything is wrong in this chapter. I mean everything from, 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 from rape to injustice to, to murder. It, it is all, and, and it's a very... When, when I read Genesis chapter 34, it is very depressing to me. It is dark. It is, it is just, it's sad to me that this even happened. And so I want to preach tonight for a few minutes, and it's a strange way to open up the third week of the Bible because it's not a shouting message, but it's what the Lord laid in my heart. I want to preach on the sad story of Dinah. And there's four things in it that just, that are heartbreaking. And the first is that it is sad to me when a child has a half-surrendered parent. But you come back to chapter 33 and look at verse number 18. Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padan Aram and pitched his tent before the city. He bought a parcel of field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of money. Paid in Aram, that's, that's in the northern region of Israel. It's where he had been for, for 20 years. And, and so he decides that he's going to move. And so he comes down to a region that is called Shechem. It's a city that is called Shalem. And he decides that this would be a good place to, to settle down. It is, it's far enough away from Laban and his sons. It's not too close to, to Esau. So, so really, it's, it's, it's an in-between land. I, probably the safest place to be. Laban's not going to come this far to get me. Esau doesn't know that I'm here. So I've got the best of both worlds here. There, there's a little problem. There's a little problem. Go back to chapter 31 and look at verse number 33. And this is where God first came to Jacob to tell him, you need to go back home. So in Genesis 31 and verse 3, the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Now you may think that's just a minor detail, but you know the Lord sometimes is very precise in his instructions. And, and he doesn't leave you guessing as to his will, who he wants you to marry, what he wants you to do. And he did not leave Jacob guessing either. Jacob knew exactly where he was supposed to go and he started in that direction. Watch this. He did not go all the way that God told him. He comes back into the land of his fathers. He did not go to his kindred. That's where he came from. There's no kindred where he stopped. So he did not go far enough. He decided that he would do part of what God said. I'm going to pick and choose which of God's commands that I'm going to follow. Lord, I'll do this, not that. Lord, I'll go there, not there. And it's just, it's just sad to me when an innocent child 
has a passive parent who only halfway obeys God, who is only halfway committed to having a Christian home, who only halfway goes with the Lord, that's just sad to me. And I don't know why. I don't know why Jacob made this decision, but do you understand that this decision, though it seems very small, is going to have horrible consequences for his family? I'm sure he could have explained it to us. He probably even had a verse. And maybe if he could have talked to us, he would have convinced us that this is a good move. But it is not what God said. And his children are going to pay dearly. Dear Father, don't you know that every decision that you make will have an effect upon your children and you won't know it until that decision has been made and the effect has been there, but it will have an effect. And because Jacob decides, I'm only going to go halfway, he ends up in a place that he should have never been. I submit to you, if he had never stopped at Shechem, Dinah would have never taken that stroll. She would have never fallen in with that man. He would have never never raped her and defiled her. And if someone could have gotten to Jacob ahead of time and said, Jacob, you need to read this chapter. You need to see how this is going to end up. I don't believe that he would have believed it. He would have probably given some kind of excuse. You know you and I do not have an opportunity to read the last chapter of the book before it's written. You don't get to see what 10 years down the road is going to do. But I tell you that every decision you make is going to have an effect upon your children. He says in chapter 33 and verse 18 again, he came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Paden Aram. When he came from, from the land of Canaan, when he came from Paden Aram and pitched his tent before the city and he bought a parcel of land. That tells you he's not intended to just stop a day or two. He's buying land. He is pitching his tent. I am going to settle down here. He looked around. And he said, this looks like a good place to raise my family. It looks like a good place to start over, have a farm, build a home. It's not where God told me to go, but it's not, it's not where I was. It, it's better than working for Laban. And I think that this is far enough. I've not done everything God has said, but I've done some of what God has said. I think that I've gone far enough. By the way, in verse 20, he erected there an altar and called it El Elohi Israel. He's not abandoning God. He's not saying I'm not going to worship God. No, I've gone halfway, but I'm still going to try to worship God in this halfway spot. There's people sitting in our churches every Sunday and they are miserable in their Christianity because they're trying to worship God and call the shots all to themselves. You can't worship if you're not in a place of submission. I, I say tonight, I say tonight that the greatest reason that you ought to be totally sold out to God is so that your children will have an example to follow. 
If you are a halfway Christian, your children will most likely not be as far of a Christian as you are. It is rare, it is rare that the second generation have as, has as high a standard as the first generation. For you, for you parents in here, you've got standards and separation and what have you. Chances are that when your children grow up, even if they stay in church, they're not gonna have the same set of standards that you are. They're gonna be just a little bit lower. It is rare, it is rare that the children are as faithful to the house of God as the father is. That's why you better not be passive in the things of God. That's why you better not have a half surrender. Genesis chapter 34 should have never been written. This chapter should have never happened. And I wonder what chapter will be written in your home that should never be written. It's sad to me. When you see an innocent child that has a half-surrendered parent. So second thing that's sad to me in this story, and it's sad to me when a child has a harmful curiosity for the world. Look at verse 1. Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. I want to be very careful with what I say here. That when a young lady is violated like Dinah was, you do not put the blame on her. Even if the girl is loose, even if she dresses provocatively, if something like this happens to her, it is an evil done to her. I don't care how you dress. This should never happen to any young lady. So I want to make make very clear. But the Bible says that she went out to see the daughters of the land. Now, I don't want to read any more into it than what is there, but my question is why? Why does she want to go see the daughters of the land? Did she want to go see what they were wearing, how they were talking, how they lived? Why does she want to go see? A young lady goes unchaperoned into the city to make friends. Now, Brother Gravity, I'm a little bit old-fashioned on this. I think the safest place for a young lady that's not married is in her father's house. That's the safest play. A young lady gets some liberty, some independence, and wants to go out on her own. Better be careful, better be careful. So, so, so she's, she's, she's curious. And I call it harmful curiosity because I don't think innocent curiosity is so innocent. And and, and it it may be that she has gone because she has a secret desire to be like the world. I've seen young people like that, haven't you? Sit in chairs with a Bible on their lap, but inside their heart, they have a secret desire. I wonder, I wonder how it would be to be in the world. Because most of you kids grow up and your parents are too strict, you can't go out and do anything. You, you can't, you, you, you're, you're, you're kinda, kinda confined, but you'd sure like to see. I can't, can't experience it, but I'd, I'd sure like to see. It, it's what you're looking at on the internet. It's what you're looking for in the magazines. It's what you talk to your friends about. 
There is a harmful curiosity. Romans 16 and verse 19 said, how it have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. There are some young people that grow up in our churches and you know the plot to every television show. You know the names of every Hollywood star. You know the stats to every NBA player. And I'm just wondering where you get all that information at. How is it, how is it that you know the name of every Hollywood starlet that's in, how do you know that? We got young people that are so versed in evil things and ignorant to good things. You couldn't quote three verses on the blood, but you know every actor to Game of Thrones. Your curiosity for the world is gonna hurt you one of these days. And by the way, parents ought to have enough foresight to not create that curiosity. Now, 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 I just preach on a bunch of things that, that nobody else is against and y'all just forget all about it. But I'm gonna tell you something, I'm gonna tell you something. Listen to the songs that your little three-year-old sings around the house. And if you got the song, she got the song from Disney instead of church, you starting on the wrong path. I'm gonna tell you, I mean, it ought to send a chill down your back if they know the songs to princess and whatever else there is and not singing the songs that they sing in youth choir. Boy, that ought to be a red lie. Dinah, Dinah is naive. She doesn't see any harm in it. She doesn't know that it is a trap. She has no understanding. She has no discernment. She doesn't know the, wis- the, the lack of wisdom in the decisions that she's making. She doesn't know enough to choose her own friends. And when you have somebody that is naive, young, and curiosity, that makes for a dangerous mixture. And it's sad to me, it's sad to me to see a young person that just wants to see how the way of the world is. How do you know the words to those songs? How do you know that? How, how, how do you know who those actresses are? How, how, I'm telling you that curiosity, that, that lust, that desire, that draw to that world, it'll suck you right out of the will of God. And I thank God tonight, I don't want to just be negative, but I thank God tonight for young people who sit in church and they are simple concerning evil and they're just fine with that. You don't know too thimbleful about the world and you're just fine with that. You have other interests. You want to know the things of God and, and sing the songs that we sing here. You don't know about the world and you don't want to know about the world. Thank, thank God for that. It is a blessing to be able to go into Walmart or some store and they're playing some song over the PA system. You don't know who it is. You don't know the lyrics. You don't know who's singing it. Thank God for that. It is a blessing when somebody else is talking about some movie. You ain't seen it. You don't know who's acting. You don't want to go see it. You have other interests. Thank God for that. Sad, sad when you have that harmful curiosity for the world. Truck company hiring a truck driver, interviewed three guys, brought three guys in and said, now here's the deal. Said our trucks go up the side of the mountain, there's a cliff, there's no guardrail. We need to know how close can you get to the edge of the cliff without going over. And the first candidate said, well, I've been driving that road for years. He said, I'm confident I can get within three feet of that cliff and never go over. They said, three feet, that's pretty good, pretty good. Brought the next guy in, said, we want to interview you. Said, we drive up this side of this road, up this mountain. Said, there's no, no, no guardrail cliff. How close can you get? He said, oh, I've been driving these trucks 20 years. He said, I, I'm confident I can get within a foot of the edge of that cliff and never go over, go right up the mountain. They said, foot, boy, that's really good. That's close. Brought the third guy in, told him the same thing. 
He said, I have no idea how close to get to it. I ain't going to try. He said, I'm going to drive as far away from the edge of that cliff as I possibly can. Huh? Well, thank God for that. Thank, thank God for a young person that's not trying to see how close you can get to the world without going over the edge. God bless you if you're not trying to escape the shelter of your home and mingle with that wicked world. And God bless you if you're not trying to be in cold cohoots with the lost world and, and try to be just like. God bless you if you have no interest in seeing the daughters of the land. It's sad. It's sad. When you see a child that wants to serve God and has a half-surrendered parent, and when you see a child grow up in a church like this, but in their heart there's a harmful curiosity for the world. That's sad to me. It's sad to me when a child's honor is either stolen or given away. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. When Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. Prince of the country. He's not a scallywag. He's not a ne'er-do-well. This is the son of a prince. And what young lady would not be enamored by the attention of the son of a prince? But look what he did. The Bible says that he defiled her. There's two words in the verse that seems to indicate that what he did to her, he did by force. It says that he took her and he defiled her. Strong indication, I don't know. Strong indications he took her by force. And notice, when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. D did you know that Hollywood doesn't see anything wrong with what happened in verse 2? Hollywood would say that that's a relationship. Hollywood, go turn it on tonight. Hollywood would say that that's consensual. Here's what God called it. God calls it a sin. God says that he defiled her. Shechem didn't see anything wrong with the deal because in verse number three, his soul clave unto Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the damsel. What God called defilement, he called love. But don't you know she felt dirty? Don't you know she felt worthless after this? It's sad to me she'll never be innocent again. She'll never have that purity again. She'll never be able to meet that man and walk that aisle and give him a gift that she's already given away. And when a young person gets in this world and the world steals that innocence away, that's a sad thing. Young people, God has given you a precious gift. It's purity. And the devil wants to steal it away from you. And you ought to cherish it and you ought to protect it until the day that you give it to that one special person in marriage. I don't think that Dinah meant for this to happen. But she got too close to the world and she got burnt. And when you play with the world, you have to play by their rules. And when you play with the world, you're going to get burnt. And, and, and how much better to not give the devil that ground and how much better to never taste of that world and to lose that precious gift and that innocence and how, how sad, how sad when a young person, when a young person gets out in that world and then they realize that they've been duped by the devil. I've been lied to, I've been deceived, I, I've been defrauded, I, I have been sold a bill of goods, but I've given so much away. Yes. A young lady in our church raised in a great, 
great Christian home. Good girl. Good girl. She said, I'm going to get an apartment. I'm going to move out. Not pink hair wild, just a little wild. She didn't get far into the world. Just a little bit, just a little bit into the world. She got burnt. I'm telling you, good girl. I'm talking about sing on the platform girl. I'm talking about a whole family sitting there in church Sunday morning, Sunday, Wednesday night. She called me last week. She said, Preacher, I've got to meet with you. Saturday, I sat down with her in my office. Tears run down her face. I said, I messed up. I said, I messed up. I sinned. I've talked to my parents. I've asked them to forgive me. I want you to forgive me. I want the church to forgive me. Last night, we turned off the cameras. I stood down there in front of the altar with her. And I said, she's made a mistake. And she knows it. And she wouldn't want any other young person in this church to go down the road. She's gone. She's going to have a baby. She's going to get married. But she's made a mistake. And she took a microphone. Asked that church to forgive her. All them ladies came and put her arms around her and hugged her and kissed her and told her they loved her. See, repentance is the road to restoration. But she said, I've been deceived. I bought a lie. I've been duped. And I gave something away. And it's gone. I want God to forgive me. It's sad to me when a child's honor is stolen or given away. I'll give you the last thing tonight. It's sad to me when a child's life is a historical waste. You may know in chapter 34 there's an aftermath to the story. The aftermath is as sad as the story. Jacob heard about what had happened, but he waited until his sons came home from the field to tell him. And Hamor, the father of Shechem, he comes to Jacob. He wants to arrange a marriage between his son and Dinah. They didn't see anything wrong with what had happened, and so his sons devised a devious plan. They told Hamar, we, we will give our sister to, 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 to your son, but, but the problem is we're Jews, and we can't marry anybody that's uncircumcised. So if all of the men of your city will agree to be circumcised, we'll see no problem with the marriage. I won't go into details. Circumcision is a painful thing, especially in that day, nothing to deaden the pain. And so on the third day, every man in that city had been circumcised. And on the third day, they basically were immobilized. And two sons, Simeon and Levi, they come into the village where those men are defenseless and they killed every one of them. It is not justice. It is a murderous rampage. It's not justification for killing every man for what one man did. And did you know that through this whole ordeal that Jacob failed miserably as a father because verse number five says that Jacob held his peace until they were come. His daughter has just been defiled and he kept his mouth shut. In fact, in this entire chapter, while all of this happens, Jacob never speaks one time until Brother Trey, he finds out what Simeon and Levi did and then Jacob speaks for the first time in the story and is in verse number 30. Here's the first time that he directly speaks in verse 30. Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, and watch this, says to Simeon and Levi, ye have troubled me to make me 
to stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and I being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed. I am my, me, 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 me. When he finally does speak, it's not about dying, it's all about himself. And by the way, it is very strange how that God is absent in the whole story. If you go back to chapter 33 and verse 20, he erected there an altar and called it El Elohi Israel. God is the mighty God of Israel. Go to chapter 35 and verse 1, and God said unto Jacob, there is no mention of God at all in chapter 34. God has distanced himself from that family. And how sad when you see a home where God is nowhere to be found. It's a very dark ending to this sad scene in Jacob's life. His daughter's been defiled. I don't know if she's been raped. or I, I, I don't know. Two of his sons have become mass murderers. It's a dark chapter in Jacob's life. But here's what's sad about Dinah. I told you that her name is mentioned eight times in the Bible. Six of the times are in this chapter. The other two times that Dinah is mentioned is just in genealogies. This incident is the only incident that you have in her life. The only contribution that she makes to Israel's story is this story. And there is nothing else that I can say about her. And the saddest thing to me is that here is a girl who had a father who was half surrendered, who had a harmful curiosity for the world. She was taken by the world in a very horrible way. And that's all. There's nothing else that I can say about her. She doesn't marry. She doesn't have children. She doesn't become a Hannah. She's not a hero and there's, no, there's nothing. After chapter 34, the Bible is silent concerning her life. And I'm not being unfair. I'm not ready to cast blame on her. But it is the only contribution that she makes to Israel's history. And I hope that when I'm gone, that I have made a contribution to Christianity, but not in this way. You young people, you have an opportunity to make a wonderful impact. I hope the only story we do not have to tell is Genesis 34. If you were to ask me about certain men and certain women that I've pastored, all I could do is shake my head and say, Genesis 34. It's sad when a young person has a good home, a good church, strong influences, and they throw it all away to become a historic waste for the cause of Christ. I wonder if we'll ever be able to say he led somebody to Christ. She had a servant's heart. He was a blessing to so many people. But I wonder one of these days when your name comes up, not being unkind, but will the only thing we will be able to say for the cause of Christ, nothing, nothing. All we can say is Genesis 34. That's a sad story to me. Hey, Daddy,
You better be sold out for God. You better have that home clean. Every decision that you make is going to affect the life of those children. Young people, third week of revival and you're still sitting here. Thank God for that. Surrender your life to God. Be sold out to Christ. Give him everything that you have. And if you've made a mistake, if you've gone, if you've already been looking to that world, I'm glad that his grace goes farther than our sin goes. I'm glad that I could stand next to a girl last night, just a few hours ago, so the grace of God can take something very ugly and make something beautiful out of it. Thank God for that.